And whether you're quarantined in the house or not, you still don't want your gym bag being all nasty. Our sponsor today, Manscaped, is here to make sure your stuff stays in check. Manscaped promotes clean hygiene when it comes to your junk. Thanks to their lawnmower 3.0, Manscaped is the only men's brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming. While you're probably at home looking for something to do, why not make manscaping a part of your new routine? You don't want to look like you're sitting on Ming's shoulders from WCW, and you don't want Brutus the Barber Beefcake chomping away down there, and you dang sure don't want to use that Freebird hair removal cream. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 3.0. Precision engineered tools for your family jewels. The Perfect Package 3.0 kit comes with new and improved Lawnmower 3.0 waterproof cordless body trimmer and a ton of other liquid formulations to round out your manscaping routine. This third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to prevent manscaping accidents. Your goods are going to be nick free thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. Inside the Perfect Package you'll also find the Manscaped Crop Preserver an anti-chafing deodorant and moisturizer. You're probably sitting on the couch like Al Bundy right now anyway, so you might as well keep everything smooth and fresh. Subscribe to the perfect package to get a new replacement blade refill for your lawnmower trimmer delivered to your door every three months, making sure your trimmer stays fresh and clean. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing manscaped boxer briefs this is the perfect package for your perfect package get 20 percent off and free shipping with code slopdrop at manscaped.com that's slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p do yourself a favor and always use the right tools for the job that's 20 percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com by using the promo code slopdrop s-l-o-p-d-r-o-p That's a slot drop. I can answer that. That's a slot drop. What is that move? That's a slot drop. Slot drop time. That's a slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. Slot drop. The slot drop indeed. What's up, wrestling nerds? Welcome back to the slot drop. This is Nathan Rogers at Woopig Sumo on Twitter, and we are joined by my tag team partner for this episode, the Loose Cannon of the Twin Lake Sports Network, David McBee. Well, I'm on vacation, but hey, I couldn't think of any better way to spend a little vacation time is with uh, jumping in here on the slop drop with an injured Nathan Sumo Rogers, man. You are gutting it out. Uh, you, you had kind of a rough week, buddy. Battling through a gruesome injury, but we're going to make it. And what, what better way to uh, lay around with your foot propped up on uh, medication and watching some old school wrestling. And uh, what a better month than July to start watching the Great American Bashes and one of the rare gems out there that for some reason doesn't get a whole lot of coverage and for some reason is not on the WWE Network is the very first Great American Bash that was Jim Crockett Promotions and NWA Great American Bash on Saturday, July 6th, 1985 at the American Legion Memorial Stadium in Charlotte, North Carolina. An estimated 27 to 35,000 fans in attendance. 32,000 spectators. The gladiators have journeyed by air. On foot. And carried by chariots made from steel. be part of the history of wrestling's greatest moment 
Jim Crockett Promotions, Ringmasters, the great American band. Man, we, you know, I, I think the only thing you've really seen on the WWE Network is, you know, when the helicopter comes flying in. Uh, I, I know they've used that on various different clips over the years, but yeah, I mean, this show is not on the WWE Network at all, and it's really, I've gone through and I've watched all the WW, or WCW and WA pay-per-views, and yeah, this was awesome watching it this week because I've never seen it. I didn't even realize this existed out here, and now uh, going back and reliving some of it, you can find it on YouTube. Uh, it's pretty cool. It looks like it was... Uh, it was a, a like a PWI uh, or something yeah. like that. I, I know it's got a it's got all the reporters. They would kind of show a match and then go away where where you have like Gordon Soley and then you know some of the and it might not be is it PWI? I might have the yeah, no, magazine it's P, mixed it's up. It's PWI, which is I, that's very rare, man. I mean you you wouldn't see that today. I don't think you would see like one of the the dirt sheet you know things uh, doing a co event with WWE or anything like that so this is kind of odd but if you don't have this on vhs it's very hard to find like dave said there are some matches on youtube some of them are not but if you know where to look you can find them i'm not going to give away our uh, our secret stash but uh, as you said legendary gordon Soley, he welcomes us in and introduces bill after with pwi uh again thirty-two thousand fans is what they say in the video i have actually read anywhere from 27 to thirty-five thousand. That is a huge crowd for Jim Crockett promotions in NWA, especially in 1985. Well, you think about it, 85, 86, and, you know, partway into 87 was when JCP was challenging the WWF at the time and uh, a really big crowd. I mean, that was a crowd that WCW would have been very, very happy with. And uh, JCP, and, and not only was it a big crowd, but it was a crowd, if you watch this, they were popping. This was a crowd that was really into a lot of the things that JCP was doing. Quick recap of uh, why Buddy Landell and Ron Bass are feuding. J.J. Uh, Dillon was managing both at the time, but Bass got jealous once Landell came in the picture and Dillon started spending some more time mentoring with him. Another quick note, Tony Schiavone did commentary solo for this entire event. No, no J.R., no Gordon Soley, no uh, Crockett, anybody. He did it all by himself. Well, seeing J.J. Dillon here with Buddy Landell early, uh, I think you could kind of see what would ultimately become, you know, Ric Flair and the Horsemen and that down the road. Um, of course, there was a lot of rumor. This was 1985. Landell was actually, from what I've read, uh, set to win the NWA World Heavyweight Champ from Flair in 85. They were going to have a battle of the nature boys, but Landell had a falling out with uh, Jim Crockett promotions management ended up leaving the company, but it was a hot opening match with buddy Landell, the nature boy, nature boy, buddy Landell versus a, uh, they refer to him here as the cowboy Ron Bass, also known as the outlaw Ron Bass, a 20 minute time limit, uh, no winner, uh, lots of back and forth brawling, some assistance by JJ Dillon. As you alluded to earlier, we kind of got a peek of what was ahead on down the road between J.J. Uh, Dillon and Ric Flair. Uh, Bass straddles Landell, tries to cave in his middle with some hammer fists. Time limit expires. Uh, Bass chases Landell away, then puts uh, Dillon in the iron claw. Uh, Landell makes the save, and then they retreat. But Landell passed away in 2015. I, I know you hate it when I start talking about some of the updates to some of these people. 
uh, a day after he'd been in a car accident, Ron Bass passed away in 2017 after complications from a surgery. Bass also part of a uh, lawsuit later on against the WWE over uh, brain injuries. And then after his death, it was discovered he did, in fact, have CTE. Well, uh, Buddy Landell, of course, you know, he, if you listen to any of the podcasts out there, like Shivani or... Or, or you listen to, uh, you know, any of the, even Bruce Pritchard show, things like that. I've heard them all talk about Buddy Landell and how he had so much potential, but unfortunately he had some demons. I think uh, it was in right about this time in 1985 that he said later he really began abusing drugs and was really on him for the next 10 to 15 years. Uh, also during this time too, he's having trouble with the IRS, but Jim Crockett helped him pay his tax bill. And you're not uh, talking about, uh, IRS from WWF. You're talking about the legit IRS. Yeah. Legit IRS. Jim Crockett stepped in and helped him out. But, uh, I mean, he was a great worker. Like when you're watching it, like, Oh my gosh, it's, it felt like I was watching flair and, uh, you know, cause they were so similar and I would have loved to have seen a battle for them. But then Buddy Landell, I never realized this, that uh, his great-grandfather was actually President George Washington's baggage master. So, uh, you know, because he was, I think Landell had roots with, he was English, Cherokee, Indian, and Jim, uh, German. So uh, quite a combination there. But, I mean, just a fascinating background. But... You know, I never realized that they were really grooming him to possibly be an NWA heavyweight champion before, unfortunately, some of the demons overtook him. But speaking of the match, I thought it was a great match. I don't, I couldn't remember the last time I'd seen Ron Bass work. I thought he did a good job, and the crowd was hot. And J.J. Dillon, man, he was showing some athleticism running around that ring. <laughs> J.J. Dillon looks exactly the same age he does today as he did on July 6, 1985. Gosh, man, I w- we got to find out. He, he needs to, whatever he does, he needs to put it in a bottle and sell it uh, because him and Arn Anderson still look exactly today as they would have in the mid-'80s. Well, you mentioned Arn Anderson. The next match, the Minnesota Wrecking Crew, Ole and Arn Anderson. Again, this is pre-Horseman, about five or six months pre-Horseman. They defeated Buzz Sawyer and Dirty Dick Slater to retain the NWA national tag titles. Some stiff brawling here by all four men. Imagine that. After the referee gets distracted, Ole drops an elbow onto Sawyer's spine and then steals the win. Again, Ole and Arn Anderson, about five months after this, they formed the four horsemen. Uh, Buzz Sawyer, former amateur wrestler, known for his antics in and outside of the ring, including drug abuse, fighting with the cops. He passed away from a, a drug overdose in February 1992. And Dirty Dick Slater, man, we could talk for hours on this guy. Uh, I think we mentioned once before, accidentally shot in the leg by Wahoo McDaniel at a, in a bar fight when him, Wahoo, Andre the Giant, and Tommy Rich were at a bar in Atlanta and some dude pulled a knife on Tommy Rich. Some, somebody say something about a knife. <laughs> <laughs> Wahoo pistol whips the guy. Gun accidentally goes off, hits Slater in the leg. And then June 2004, he was convicted for stabbing his girlfriend with a butcher knife, and then he passed away in October of 2018. Oh, man, that just some crazy guys. It was weird, though, seeing uh, Ole and Arn before they would become the Four Horsemen. And is it me, or does Ole Anderson always look like he is in a pissed-off, cranky mood? I think from what I've heard and read, he typically was. 
And it's funny because I just watched the uh, the AEW show uh, this week, and uh, it was funny because I, I watched the Great American Bash this morning uh, from '85. And you're right, Arn Anderson looks exactly the same. <laughs> I don't know what it is about those guys, but uh, I mean, good solid tag team match. But what was really good is the crowd; they were into the selling that that they would do, and I mean, it was just a lot of hard, bloody brawls. I went back, I've been watching the WrestleManias and a lot of them from this time, you know, WrestleMania one, two, and three, uh, going on about the same time. And it's like night and day, the difference. I forgot how different those two organizations were from each other, but it was like night and day. Uh, third match of the night, Manny Fernandez, Sam Houston and avalanche bus. Tyler defeated superstar, Billy Graham, the barbarian and Abdullah, the butcher after uh, Houston rose up Graham for the pin. Sam Houston, half-brother of Jake the Snake Roberts. Of course, superstar Billy Graham went on to become famous in the WWF. Very controversial figure. Very public and ugly disputes with the WWF and the McMahons. Of course, the Barbarian, one of the toughest dudes in wrestling. And then Abdullah the Butcher, known to be one of the most violent dudes in wrestling. Also controversial. Uh, Known for that fork to gouge people's heads. Also known to be accused of possibly knowingly infecting opponents with hepatitis C. Man, uh, it, yeah. <laughs> We're worried about COVID-19 yeah. these days. You worried about Abdullah the Butcher back in 85. I mean, you know, Abdullah the Butcher, my goodness. I mean, think about some of the bloodbaths he had over the years. Uh, you know, it was a little uncomfortable when he pulled out his spike and uh, started uh, slamming it in. But, uh, I mean... Uh, to me, Abdullah the Butcher, uh, yeah, he's got he's, his reputation has really been sullied because he really risked the health of a lot of people, and especially right now when you think a lot of the things that are going on, uh, it's pr- pretty amazing. But uh, yeah, again, uh, you know, again another solid match. You know, it was just a brawl. Every single one of these matches was like a bitter, br- a bitter, a bitter brawl. I can't even say it. But uh, yeah, Abdullah, man. Dude, he, dude took it to a whole different level. And I think Manny Fernandez is probably one of the most underrated guys in wrestling. He went on and formed a tag team with Rick Rude. He held different titles. Honestly, I wasn't very familiar with uh, Buzz Tyler, but, you know, I do remember Sam Houston. I do remember Manny and, of course, uh, Billy Graham, the Barbarian. Well, Abdullah man, Adams. look. Yeah, look at Superstar putting over the young guy. You know, he had already been a WWF champion. Uh, you know, this was right at the end of his career. I mean, he would be, next thing you know, he'd be a manager back in the WWF. But, I mean, this was really at the very end of his wrestling career. And uh, what a legendary career he had. But he put over the youngster. I mean, Sam Houston, that was a huge upset uh, back in the day to put him over like that. Uh, fourth match of the card, the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, defeated Paul Jones by pinfall with an elbow drop in a dog collar match where they were both chained to one another with dog collars around their necks. We need more dog collar matches. I couldn't tell you the last good one I saw, but uh, Avalanche Buzz Tyler was with Valiant. Abdullah the Butcher was out with Jones. Earl Hebner was the referee. Jones gets busted open. Valiant drops the elbow, scores the pin. After the match, Abby attacks uh, Valiant to keep that feud alive. Uh, Paul Jones uh, died April 2018. A great manager that could talk and bump, kind of like Heenan, uh, Valiant, still with us today at 77 years old, a Memphis legend, 
and will still occasionally cut a promo on social media. Well, uh, the Boogie Woogie Man, too, he was over in this match. I mean, the crowd, they were pumped up for him. Uh, but him and Jones, I mean, during like 85, 86, they were having some wars in there. I think uh, him and uh, Mandy Fernandez, what they were called, the B&B Connection, the Boogie Woogie and Bull. So, uh, you know, not a whole lot of thought put in to come up with that name. I noticed there was a lot of connections back there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean, Valiant just over, of course, uh, you know, he was trained. You know, Valiant was trained by uh, Vern Gagne. And you think about it, all these guys, of course, he was huge in Memphis, Tennessee. You know, he feuded with our good friend Jerry the King Lawler. And, you know, I know Lawler's been doing a lot of stuff with MSW that I think Space Cowboy Jason Jones is going to cover with you later. But, uh, you know, him and with Bill Dundee, I mean, this is right in our area and here. And, uh, hey, maybe maybe we can get the Boogie Woogie Man to come on over to uh, Mid-State sometime. Uh, fifth match of the night, the NWA World Tag Team Champions, the Russians, which is Crusher Kirchhoff and Ivan Koloff, versus the AWA World Tag Team Champions, the Road Warriors with Paul Ellering, ends in a double disqualification. Both teams have been disqualified. A double disqualification. Well, you heard it. Earl Hebner, the referee, has disqualified both the Road Warriors and the Russian team. Ivan Kolov and Kruchev. Kruchev hits uh, Animal with a chair. Hog hits both the Russians with a chair, busting them both open. Warriors beat up the hills until they uh, finally retreat, and the match was ruled a double DQ. Man, the crowd was absolutely electric for this. Had that big match feel. It's crazy to see that JCP brought in a tag team from the AWA to smash their top hills like that. Uh but it could have been some back, you know, some backroom locker room deals because uh, uh, later on, eventually, the Road Warriors uh, were eventually joined JCP in early 1986. Well, I, I think this was the perfect time for this kind of match. I mean, you know, Rocky Four had just come out. Of course, you know that has Sylvester Stallone. You know, I think he was taking on Dolph Lundgren. Uh, you know, I must break you. That was the worst that Dolph is, Lundgren ever. But is. yeah. <laughs> But that was getting ready. To, that came out later this year. And this was all during the whole, you know, the Cold War was still going strong. And, uh, I mean, I know growing up as a kid, man, it was like, hey, if you had the Russians playing against the American in basketball or if they were playing each other in hockey, yep. you were always going to wear your red, white, and blue. And, uh, I mean, I think it they played in perfectly into this. There was a lot of characters like that. You know, Nikita Koloff, you know, a lot of, you know, this Russian tag team here. Then you had, you know, the WWF had their own, you know, group that was, there was always those Russian antagonists. And they played it, you know, just right. And the Road Warriors, man, they were looking stout. I watched, I was watching some 97 WWF right when they first came back to the WWF in 97. And, uh, they don't look anything like they did in 97. I mean, they look completely different. But, uh, I mean, they were they were just – they were stout, man. Those are two guys I would not want to mess with in the ring. But I thought it was a solid match. And like you said, the crowd just abs- – I mean, they were popping this entire yeah. – every match, they were just popping it. And we had the Cold War going. It was icy cold between us and the Russians. You know, uh, even now with all the stuff that happens political with Russia and all that kind of stuff, it's not to the level intensity because we thought, hey, 
World War Three could happen any moment. Everyone was on edge. I mean, you know, I know when I was a kid growing up, I think they had a special on TV one time called World War Three, and I watched it. And I was like, oh, they're going to come in and attack us any time. And, you know, there was always that anticipation. Hey, they could, they could, you know, it'll be like Red Dawn. You'll have all these Russian paratroopers coming down. Uh, ended up uh, not happening, of course, but man, it was a uh, great time for those types of match, and the crowd was definitely uh, into that. Uh, sixth match of the night Magnum TA defeated Kamala by disqualification to retain the NWA United States title. Magnum has won the match! And Kamala still tries to punish the champion. Reversal. There's the belly to belly. The belly to belly. Magnum wants the count, but still he's the champion. Earlier, Kamala was disqualified. Magnum TA holds onto that title. Kamala jumps Magnum and dominates for a while. Busting Magnum open, uh, Kamala delivers two splashes but couldn't get the finish. Uh, Magnum makes a comeback. General Skandar Akbar interferes, getting Kamala DQ'd. Of course, Magnum TA, the stepdad of Tessa Blanchard, who's making some headlines right now. And uh, in that terrible car accident, October of 86, that forced him to retire. This was the guy, man. He was on fire. He was being groomed to be the world champion. And you just got to think, what could have been if that car wreck had never would have happened? Man, I mean, he looked really good in this match. And, yeah, I mean, uh, it's really sad what happened to these two. Think about it. Kamala ends up losing his leg due to diabetes. So, I mean, I know it's really tough. Uh I mean, yeah, I, I really a lot of suplexes was thrown in this, and uh, I loved it. I, I love the Tony Schiavone. It's not a suplex; it's a suple. So uh, yeah, so it was funny. Uh, Schiavone, man, going by himself. I mean, uh, you know, I know back in uh, ECW, I know they would have the one announcer that would go, up, you know, do all the shows by himself. But I really love it because now you got so many guys talking. It was very easy to, to follow Shivani, even though he kept going souple. You mentioned Kamala. <laughs> He's had, since had both legs amputated, not in the WWE Hall of Fame. Uh, probably ought to be. I don't know if he will be anytime soon because he was also mentioned uh, in that lawsuit that we talked about earlier with Ron Bass. So Kamala, again, still with us, uh, just a little shorter than he was back then. Well, and, you know, like you mentioned, too, they were really starting to set up Magnum. And a lot of people don't remember how hot Magnum was getting. And, yeah, you know, I, th- I know he had challenged Flair for the belt. And they they had a couple, you know, one-hour time limit draws. And they were kind of setting up for Starcade. And, yeah, you kind of wonder what it would have been like. You know, Flair, of course, he ends up through the late 80s uh, staying at the top. What would it have been like to have uh, – you know, uh, Magnum TA injected into that. I mean, he had some flat out wars and, uh, I mean, just a great worker. And from everything I've heard, just a really good person. And, uh, I mean that, and this one just showed why he was as hot as he was. You mentioned Ric Flair, the seventh match. Um, I guess you could call this the main event, even though there's another match after this. Rick Flair defeated Nikita Koloff to retain the NWA world title. David Crockett was a special guest referee. Nikita picks him up. Flair, he falls on it. Coming for the kill. 
Again, they built this up going off that evil Russian angle we've been talking about, which was hot in the 80s. The Russians have previously attacked David Crockett, and rather than suspending them, Flair wanted a match with David as the guest referee. So that's what happened. Uh, Crowd was absolutely insane over this. In fact, a fan rushed into the ring and tried to attack Nikita. Uh, Security and police had to remove the fan. The match continued. Nikita actually talked to us about this and said this was the first time a fan had attacked him. Not, not the last, but it was the first time of many uh, a fan had actually jumped the ring and tried to attack him. Well, what's funny is Nikita looked so stout. I mean, he was so ripped. The fan pretty much kind of bounced off of him when he came running in the ring. But uh, Nikita Koloff, man, he went on and had one heck of a run. And it's really cool to see, you know, I know he does his uh, man camp now, I think with Lex Luger. And it was awesome, too, when he came back to the NWA last year. I thought that I I love seeing him kind of get involved back with NWA with that heritage. Uh, But Nikita Koloff, even though he was an evil Russian at that time, of course, he'd have a great baby face run later. But, uh, I mean, it's really cool to see. What ended up happening with uh, with his life after wrestling, and now I know he's impacted a lot of lives in a positive way, and I think that's awesome. Giving us a shout out, and uh, Nikita, man, he's a class act in my book. Uh, definitely a class act. I didn't ask him, but I think there was a botched finish during this match. I could be wrong. It appeared that way, but uh, then Koloff tries to slam Flair's too close to the ropes. Flair shifted his weight, lands on Nikita, gets the pin. The Russians attack Flair. The fans go nuts and are about to riot. The announcer has to get on the uh, sound system and, and ask everybody to stay in their seats. I mean, that's how crazy this was. All right. Stops away at David Crockett. We're going to get an announcement from the ring announcer. Fans, please stay clear of the ring. Please stay clear of the ring. Okay, they want the fans to stay clear of the ring. Obviously, it's Bedlam in the ring. There was about to be a riot. Yeah, I mean, you had 30,000 fans that were just pumped up. And, I, I, I mean, this is the wrestling I like growing up. I mean, the WWF was all about entertainment at the time. The NWA and the matches that they were putting on, I mean, th- this was this was the Super Bowl to me right here. This was my Hogan Andre was, you know, Flair and Nikita and those guys going at it. And uh, Nikita really showing that, you know, he could work. And him and Flair just had that crowd in the palm of their hands. And the last match of the night, uh, an unsanctioned, lights-out, still cage match. Dusty Rose defeated Tully Blanchard to become the new TV champion and gets the services of Baby Doll for 30 days. Both get bloodied up. Dusty delivers a pile driver to Tully and gets the three count. Dusty Rose! The pile driver! When you thought the elbow pad could make a difference, he countered the pile driver, the American dream. He's the winner. He is the champion. The American dream wins the match. Baby doll cannot believe it. 
Tommy Young was the referee. Tommy Young. Dusty and Tully, two legends. Of course, Dusty no longer with us. Tully, the father of Tessa Blanchard, we mentioned earlier. Tully also an AEW as a coach. Uh, Matt, uh, this lights out stipulation meant that uh, technically not sanctioned by the NWA, but of course, you know, uh, I think it was more of a wave where Dusty pulled a slick one and, and still got on the card and, and headlined the main event without technically headlining the main event. Well, there's been a lot of, uh, let me borrow a phrase from Conrad, uh, rumors and innuendo uh, that they would talk about back in the time where Dusty, you know, doing something like this to uh, kind of take it out on the boys and be able to kind of, you know, hey, I'm still main event. And even though I'm not technically the main event, I, I mean, that, that's kind of weird. I know it's supposed to be unsanctioned, but why do you have that going on after the the uh, title match? What do you think? You think it was Dusty or what do you think, yeah. Sumo? Oh, oh, yeah, definitely. He wasn't the champion at the time. So uh, in order to uh, close the show, steal the show or, or be the headline of the show, I think it's just a way, hey, technically this isn't sanctioned, so it's a lights out. It's going to happen after the event, which, you know, it's part of the event. It's totally, totally in the works. But uh, love Dusty to death. He's an absolute legend. But I definitely think this is a way for him to slide into that main event slot. Well, Dusty uh, was known to slide into that spot a, a lot, uh, much to like, you know, I know earlier you mentioned uh, 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 Tully and, and those guys. I know Tully uh, got really frustrated by a lot of things that happened with that. They always felt, you know, that Dusty was about putting himself over and not the boys. But, uh, I mean, I just think that this card, even with that right there, this card was just so strong. Um, the crowd was so pumped up into it. And uh, what what's crazy is this this area was such an NWA, WCW strong haven for so long. But then with some of the stupid booking that WCW did in the late 90s and 2000s with the Horsemen, this area that was such a strong powerhouse place for JCP and WCW ended up being where they couldn't even sell out half the house. So that yeah. tells you, I mean, th th this crowd was so strong and what they did, I mean, shows you some of the idiotic things that WCW did. Yeah, again, that was the great American bash. The very first one, Tony Schiavone called the event on his own. Uh, again, not on the network. So you got to do some, some digging if you want to watch it, but it is out there. Uh, what do you think, Dave? Give it a thumbs up. Oh, I definitely give it a thumbs up. I mean, just honestly, the crowd's going to uh, will it to a thumbs up. I mean, the crowd was just so over. Uh, but, like, watching a show like that makes me think a lot. You know, like, we, we go to a lot of MSW shows and things like that. You know, that, that, that feel that you have where it's that, you know, that good old, you know, southern wrestling type thing. Uh, you know, absolutely loved it. Some legends. I mean, look at all the Hall of Famers. I mean, just going down the card, you pretty much got a Hall of Famer in each match. And then you got a couple guys on there that that should have definitely been Hall of Famers. Unfortunately, just some demons ended up, uh, you know, really hurting them. But uh, overall, great show. Loved watching this back. How would you rate it? I give it a thumbs up. What do you give it? I'll definitely give it a thumbs up, man. Definitely. The thing that I really enjoyed about watching this is just seeing the crowd again. 
it's, it's almost like we've kind of forgotten what it's like to have that hot crowd. Yeah. And when you got 30,000 fans that are pumped up uh, in the stands, man, they really get this. They get that place uh, uh, pumping. So, uh, yeah, I'm glad yeah. you mentioned MSW. Uh, it looks like their next targeted event, of course, this is subject to change due to COVID-19 restrictions, Saturday, August 22nd, 2020 in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah, it's going to be the MSW Wrestling, the Springfield Showdown. And, of course, that's going to be back at the Relic Center again. And, the re- man, Springfield's been starting to become a hotbed of professional wrestling. And uh, these tickets are going to go quick. You got to get them before they're gone. Uh, but a lot of big announcements coming from MSW. I know uh, this week, too, they're running some more auction stuff. Uh, Jer- you know, Space Cowboys on with our yeah. good friend Jerry the King Lawler, uh, who donated some uh, ring-worn items from what I understand that you could bid yeah. on. But go to the Mid-States Wrestling Facebook page. I know Cowboys going to hit it big time. But be sure to check that out. And then also I noticed online, too, our good friend uh, Tim Storm. He's uh, having a uh, seminar. Uh, be sure to check out him. I finally, uh, you know, hopefully uh, Joey the Dragon doesn't listen to this week's broadcast because I finally got uh, his Mama Storm shirt in for Uh-oh. his birthday. So uh, Spoiler alert. Yeah, spoiler alert. So, uh, you know, Tim Storm, of course. You know, that's down in Sherman, Texas. He's got a seminar, but I couldn't think of a better guy. Best baby face in the business today. Uh, check it out. Uh, looks like it's going to be an awesome event. Yeah, we talked about how uh, Boogie Woogie Man was a Memphis legend. I can't think of a bigger Memphis legend than Jerry the King Lawler when it comes to wrestling. And like you said, Space Cowboys been hanging out with him. They posted a video together the other day. Check out MSW's Facebook page because they are uh, selling some awesome collectible items. One of those items is a uh, Tarzan singlet top, ring worn by Jerry the King Lawler. Uh, he signs it right there on video. You know it's legit. You know it's an actual autograph. And what an awesome collectible item. That, think about all the awesome legendary matches Jerry Lawler has been in. Brody, Flair, Hogan, Bret Hart. I could go on and on. I don't know. This could be from one of those matches. Yeah, I mean, that just uh, just some legends, some great people you can uh, learn from. And speaking of legends, uh, we got I got to throw out a shout out. Uh, our good friend Miranda Gordy, the Bad Street Beauty. Uh, I think she picked up a belt just recently. Yeah, congrats to her. And uh, speaking of her, she will be on that MSW card in uh, August twenty second in Springfield. Uh, Miranda Gordy, Niles Plunkett, Alan Jefferson, Mister Saturday Night, Michael Berry. Matt Riviera, Jimmy Fiasco, and more. It's a who's who of wrestlers, uh, great wrestlers on the independent scene. Uh, be sure to check them out. And, yeah, help out Mid-States Wrestling. Jump on those auctions, some cool stuff. I know Cowboy's going to share plenty on that. But uh, just uh, awesome to see, you know, things. Maybe maybe we're starting to get some shows going again. And uh, really awesome to uh, just – just relive this incredible event that, I mean, that's wrestling to me. You watch an 85 Great American Bash, it's hard to find. It is gold, but if you find it, definitely check it out. And, uh, hey, I got to throw a birthday shout-out to uh, the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be, uh, Brett the Hitman Hart. Happy birthday to the Hitman, even though I still think Brett screwed Brett. 
a couple other birthdays. Uh, Cody Rhodes had a birthday this week. Terry Funk had a birthday. So, big birthday week for wrestlers. Oh, man, and I did that Terry Funk. Uh, I did the worst Terry Funk impression of all time. I'm going to have to really work on that. But, uh, you know, I know him and my brother, Dory, are pretty <laughs> happy right now. But uh, congrats to uh, just some legends of the ring. And, man, just awesome event. I'm so glad this one came up. And I'm excited to see what's going to come up next time. I mean, who knows? It could be what? ECW. It could be WCW. Well, it could be anything, right? We've been doing the spin the wheel, make the deal. However, uh, if we can keep doing that. Or since we're on July, we can just do a couple more of uh, Great American Bashes. Uh, we'll, we'll let the listeners decide. Hey, I'm open to whatever, but it's uh, – it is awesome. Uh, this was a fun. That was a fun couple hours to relive that stuff, man. Yeah, I agree, and uh, I think that kind of ends things, uh, wraps things up. Uh, follow us on Facebook at the Slop Drop, on Twitter at the Slop Drop One. Wherever there's a podcast, you can find us there. Uh, give us a good rating and a review. It doesn't cost you a penny, but it helps us a lot. And uh, Dave, you got anything else? I just want to say, get well soon, sumo. Doot, doot. <laughs> Y'all be nice to each other. And until next time, we're out of here. Goodbye and good night.